Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and on the episode today, I have Sarah Loudon. Sarah, where are you at, and what are you up to? Well, Kieran, first of all, thanks for having us. I really appreciate it. I know this is the first day of you on a break, and you get to spend a little bit of time with me, so thanks for doing that. Um, I'm originally from Newcastle, England, and that's where I, I am right now. I'm home for Christmas, so the accent might be a little bit thicker. Um, and honestly, over the last 10 days since I've been back, I've followed Newcastle United around the country. <laughs> um obviously we've just been bought by new owners so it's a really exciting time to be a newcastle fan so just been to liverpool and now i'm back in newcastle and watch them play against manchester city and now just preparing for the run-up to christmas yeah is newcastle like a family like everybody in the family loves newcastle yeah i didn't really have a choice on who i was going to support when i was a kid um you kind of this three things that newcastle is known for and it's it's beer newcastle brown ale it's nightlife and it's football and so, you know, we kind of laugh that when you're from a place like this, you don't, you grow up dragged around the game of football. And so I had no choice in who I supported. So obviously painful being a Newcastle supporter in the past. Hopefully the future is is better ahead. Um, but yeah, so I'm a Newcastle supporter, unfortunately or fortunately. Um, and so, yeah. Was that what got you into like your love of soccer? 100%. Um, I... I remember going to my first game when I was seven um, and it was an FA Cup replay against Newcastle versus Stevenage. And I remember we scored, I think it was Alan Shearer scored in the Galgate end and I was behind the goal. And I remember I went with my uncle and when we scored, he picked us up and my shoe fell off um, and we had to surf through the crowd to try and find my shoe. But yeah, I just remember that. And ever since then, I just fell in love with the game. Um, I actually did come home one day when I was when I was really young, when I used to play football outside with the boys. I found a Man United jersey and I came home with it. It was a Fabian Bortez goalkeeper jersey. And my mom put it in the bin and said I couldn't have it. <laughs> wow. Get that stuff out of here. Um, so then did you, as you're growing up uh, in Newcastle, did you end up playing for, were there opportunities, I guess, back then? Were there, not to sound rude, but were there female opportunities to play in the youth leagues and like within your school setting? Um, you know, when I was younger, it was, it was, it's in England, it was kind of when I was younger, it was kind of a man's sport, a boy's sport, if you like, and I wasn't able to play in elementary school because girls weren't allowed to play. Um, and then I didn't actually start playing until I was 12, which is kind of, I guess, really late now when you think about how young people, you know, kids start playing. And um, I was actually at a, a festival, I could either play field hockey or football, and I picked football because I had basically made both teams. I went to some tryout and made the tryout and um, I was playing for Gateshead, which Gateshead's kind of a, a borough within the suburb of Newcastle. And um, from there, I was actually scouted for three teams. So there was Bolden at the time, Sunderland and Newcastle. And because I was obviously Newcastle mad and it was kind of my childhood club, that's the club I picked um, out with a, I guess I had kind of been scouted by the U14 coach. And so from the ages of 12 to 18, I played for Newcastle United women um, and the club is still going today. So at what point did you transition and start thinking, you know what, I'd love to coach soccer as well beyond just playing? Well, I think I've said this a few times um, on different things that I've been on, but when I was younger, I was obsessed with this game called Championship Manager. And you've probably seen some people on Twitter mm -hmm. that play that game. I don't play it because it would be a dangerous game for me to play it. I probably wouldn't have wouldn't be able to work because I got so obsessed with it when I was younger, but I used to play it for like 10 hours a day. And I used to manage Newcastle United and I used to try and manage the big clubs, um, the bigger clubs, I guess, at the time. 
And um, I used to try and find, when David Beckham played for Manchester United, I used to try and find him so then we could buy him because he would be unhappy at Manchester United, but he never actually came to Newcastle, he wouldn't come. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with the X's and O's from a young age in management. And um, I was a big Bobby Robson fan, especially when he was the manager of Newcastle United. And uh, yeah, just kind of spiraled from there. I knew when I came to America at 18 and, you know, you kind of go through the process of, you know, your junior year, you start trying to figure out what you're going to do after. And I knew I probably wasn't good enough to be a professional player, obviously. And so it was just a natural progression to get into the coaching ranks. Um, got my first coaching badge at 16, uh, FA Level 1, which was organised through the sport academy that I played for at Gateshead. Um, and so from there, it was just kind of, I said, like a natural progression to get into the coaching ranks. Why, why the move to the States? Why not stay in England and try to become, you know, coaching and, and build from there? What was the impetus that said, you know what, I want to go to the U.S. and see what that experience could be like? You know, it's funny. When I was 15, I was super fearless. You know, 15 to 18, I was totally fearless. Now I'm like 32 and scared of, scared <laughs> of my front door. It's like, but, um, you know, I just think there was, a, there was a few players at Newcastle that had tried it um, who were at Memphis. Um, and there was like some smaller schools that some players had gone to. Um, and so it was just for me, I think I just, at the time in England, obviously the game's a lot bigger, the women's game's a lot bigger now and there's a lot more opportunity. But at that time, there just wasn't, you know, a great deal of opportunity beyond um, Newcastle. We had the first team, the reserves, and we had a U21 team. Um, and the Newcastle team at that time was just stacked full of talent. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I think I wanted to combine my studies with playing and I could have done that at Northumbria, which is a school, which is a university, sorry, in kind of Newcastle. And it's probably the best sport academy beyond Loughborough's kind of the top of the chain, but Northumbria is the local, it's a really good sport university and there's no scholarships or anything here. And so I just think I wanted to get a different experience from, from the usual and I kind of just went for it and did the process myself somehow and yeah, ended up in America and 13 years, still there. What what was your family's take when you said, you know what, I'm thinking about going to the States, pursuing the, like the idea of getting an education and also pursuing coaching soccer? Well, they actually laughed because I went, I was in Brownies when I was younger and I couldn't last a weekend at Brownie camp. I was homesick and they had to come pick me up. <laughs> so when I told them that I wanted to go to America and play, they just thought it was kind of, you know, I would... It, was a bit, it would be a phase, I guess, and I would kind of phase out of it, but I stuck with it for two years through the process. I started that process when I was, I guess, 15 and a half, um, and then, you know, just kind of made videos, you know, kind of the DVD quality back then was really poor. I was kind of just this blob on the screen and with a ball on the, on the screen for coaches to watch. Um, that was when, that was before you could actually upload videos to YouTube. Um, so I sent out DVDs. I worked at this little shoe shop. And all the money that I made from the shoe shop, I would make DVDs and send them out to the US and, you know, get some bites back from some coaches. So, yeah, so that was kind of how that process worked. But, yeah, my parents, I think um, they, they they were excited because they it meant they got a vacation to America every year. Uh, but I, I don't think they particularly wanted me to stay the length of time that I have. They always love when I come home. What has that been like being away from family? Uh, like now you're home for a, kind of an extended period of time and spending time and doing all the cooking and all the family things again. What's it been like those 10 plus years being away for extended periods of time? Yeah, I think it's really hard because you miss out on so much. You miss out on christenings, weddings, um, you know, even funerals. You miss out on a, a ton of stuff. You just even you miss out on just, 
you know, my brother is 34, 35, and I see him once a year, and it's, you know, he, he, I don't know, you just feel like sometimes you don't know them as well as you know the people you work with every day, you know, it's just kind of strange, but um, the more I come back, the more I'm more grateful for coming back, but it's, I just realized how detached I am because I've been in America so long. Like, I, it was funny, I was actually in the, in the shop the other day, and I was trying to figure out if body lotion was shower gel. But shower gel is actually called shower gel here. And I don't know, it's just like all these little translations I <laughs> forgot about. Um, and so I love coming back. I was actually fortunate to come back last year during COVID. Um, I, I got the American citizenship right when the pandemic started. So I had my US passport. So I was really lucky that I could get back uh, without having to worry, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it's, it is hard, but I think just the opportunities that I get out in the States to do what I love doing, um, I, I don't think I have had the opportunity to do that in the UK, maybe in the future, who knows, but um, I think, you know, the benefits far outweigh the negative. I can come back whenever I want, and I know that. So you make the move, you're in the States, Sarah lands, What? where do you start? What? What's your first experience in the US? Uh, I landed in Atlanta with a thousand dollars cash. Um, <laughs> I remember that with one suitcase full of clothes, probably. And um, I met this man on the plane. He was from Arizona, and he helped me get through customs because you know I was eighteen. I had never flew by myself before, and um, he helped me get through and kind of spoke to him at the gate a little bit. And then he kind of figured he kind of actually took me to my gate to make sure I could get on the next plane to Starkville, Mississippi, because I started at Mississippi State. And uh, yeah, from there, uh, I was there for a year, 2009, uh, sorry, two, yeah, 2008 to 2009. And then I transferred to a smaller division one school in Lake Charles, Louisiana. So I kind of had the, uh, you know, the SEC feel, and then I kind of had a smaller division one mid-major feel too. And I think that's what's kind of set us up for coaching is I've kind of had, you know, the experience of transferring. Um, we all know what the transfer portal is like right now, but I had that experience of being kind of a little fish in a massive pond and then a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And so I think um, just getting those two experiences has been pivotal in my career so far. Were you playing soccer at both at those schools as well? Yes, I was. Sorry, yes. So what was the, was there, a, when you came and played in the U.S., was there kind of a, a, a difference or a feeling out of like, this is a different game? Or did you, did you just kind of realize like soccer is soccer and No, I think it was different. I think um, the SEC, it's a very athletic conference. I was a much more... Uh, my speed of play was definitely a lot slower. I was definitely a lot more technical. Um, you know, the training was obviously tougher because you're training every day. And I had, I had, um, I played for a sport academy, like I said earlier, in the training, obviously, that was the best experience I could have had to prepare us to go to America because you get to train every day. I was also playing club. So we train twice a week for club. We train every day for the academy. But there's nothing that can prepare you for a preseason in the United States. Um, <laughs> and I think at that time, it was two, two days and three days. Um, and so I just think the physical load on your body was completely different. Um, and I was fit. I was really fit. I think, I, you know, I was, there's a difference from, we all know this difference from being, you know, the fittest on the team physically, cardiovascularly, but, you know, in terms of soccer fitness was completely different. So, uh, yeah, there was a difference for sure. Um, and obviously when I transferred, a, a difference again. Um smaller conference and they I think they were on the back end of winning the conference a couple of years prior and so they kind of had their systems in place of how things worked and um, but yeah it was, it was definitely different but like you said at the same time football's football um, but at the, you know I wish I could go back because you know what you know now is, and kind of apply that but obviously you know we could all say that was as you started going through this 
in the back of your mind, you were, because you talked about, I'm not going to the professional ranks. So even as you're going through the experience with at Mississippi State and then moving to the mid-major, um, are you constantly kind of taking parts of the coaching style and how that, because you said like the mid-major was very set up, had organized. And were those things that you were already pulling and saying, you know what, when I start and I have my own program, these are some of the things that I like. Like what things were you picking up on? Yeah, 100%. I think um, like I was kind of, like I was saying earlier, I was obsessed with man management. So just kind of observing like kind of how coaches interact with players. You know, if we got something that was a set piece binder, like I was keeping it and I was scanning it into my computer. Um, and um, yeah, the the I would say at Mississippi State, not so much just because I would say I was just kind of trying to survive at that time of my career. You know, you're 18, kind of into the fire, you're in season. I would say when I transferred to McNeese, I would say, yeah, I kept everything and I backed everything up just, and I still have that today, actually. Um, we actually joke, me and my friend joke all the time because everything that I get, I back up on Google Drive. Um, but yeah, we had this binder that had, you know, the summer packet in every year, it had the preseason schedule in every year and kind of, you know, different little training activities you could do at home. So all, all that, like I would always keep, I still have that today in paper copy, but I also always back it up. So I, I, I keep everything, but yeah, I did. I, like I said, I was, um, obsessed with the X's and O's and I used to follow certain coaches as well in the country like around the country coaches that I would have dreamed to play for like somebody like Becky which I'm sure we'll chat about later um would have loved to have played for the University of Florida but I knew I wasn't good enough but had always followed the Gators and that was something that I also did as well was follow other teams while I was playing so I'm assuming you finish up at McNeese State like go through get your degree what here's fearless Sarah who's gone all the way across the ocean to yeah. you know do her her college time in the US play some soccer what's the next kind of process or step for you yeah i became um, a volunteer with mcneese state after that and i got my masters paid through i actually i actually worked at the rec complex um, on campus and they were going through a hiring freeze at the time louisiana the state of louisiana it's still kind of struggling but financially they were struggling they had a hiring freeze so anybody that retired wasn't getting replaced. And so I had worked at the rec from basically when I got to McNeese until I finished. And so they said, look, you know, you know, the ropes here, you can take over this lady's position that's retiring. And, you know, it was kind of basically like memberships and kind of more office and admin work. Um, so instead of working at the front desk or in the gym, you could now work in the office and we'll kind of promote you and we'll pay for your master's degree. So I kind of snapped their hand off at that, to be honest. Um, and <laughs> a volunteer with um, McNeese State, who I played for, but... You know, it was really hard because I, a lot of those players I'd played with and they were my friends. And so I kind of, um, I found that a bit of a challenge. Um, and I knew the, I knew the, the ropes, right? It, it wasn't, it was comfortable for me. So I, I was there, I was at McNeese, I believe for a year and a half, finished my master's degree. And then I think every college coach in the country got an email from me from D1, D2, D3, NAIA. Um, I kind of paid, I think I paid $50 for this like, directory basically that gives you everybody's mm -hmm. addresses and so when I was doing my masters and the admin work like I would send off emails basically like personalized emails to coaches that I would like, like to work for um, and obviously I was going I had I didn't have citizenship or a green card at any any point in that time so that was really difficult because a lot of times people would email back and say we'd love to have you but we can't sponsor you right and so um, yeah so I did that I think like I said I think everybody got an email from me at some point if they were coaching at that point in time and from there, I landed a position at Whelan Baptist in Plainview, Texas. It was my first um, coaching gig, like full-time. 
think I was making like $25,000 at that point and I thought I was a millionaire because it was my first like full-time job and uh, I did some teaching on the side I taught nutrition class because I had kind of an education background that was my bachelor's degree and um, yeah I did that for a year and then from there I kind of felt like I'd gone as far as I could go with that program and wanted something a little bit more higher level um, I, I guess I would say and so I emailed Randy Waldrum from the Houston Dash and I knew that was kind of a new franchise and obviously I went to school down in Lake Charles Louisiana so I wanted to kind of get closer to Houston where all my friends and people that I knew were and um, he emailed right back when I emailed him and asked if I could help and told me to come down for tryouts and funded it myself and I was on a plane to Houston and he kind of let me help run the tryouts and from there I flew back to West Texas and decided you know like you have to figure out whether at the end of the season if I want to continue or you know kind of go down this route so um got back in touch with Randy and he was like look if you want to come down for this game get yourself down here so I drove nine hours to Houston drove nine hours back and I was like this is definitely what I want to do and so I started commuting I left Wayland and I started commuting basically two and a half hours a day there and two and a half hours back for training so it was five hours round trip for training um five hours round trip for games and I was kind of just like a volunteer assistant coach and honestly had absolutely no business being there um was working with players like Collie Lloyd and Megan Klingenberg and at the time it was 2015 and the women had just won the World Cup and so it was just a, it was just great timing honestly and like I said Randy was so gracious to give us an opportunity to be there and pick up cones and do some did analytics for them and and you know warm the players up stuff like that and then from there with a the goalkeeping coach Tom Brown I got a job with him at Sam Houston State as an assistant so that was my first division one gig he needed somebody with an exercise science background which is what I had um, as well as kind of teaching my master's was in exercise physiology and kind of before I came to America I was kind of in the exercise science field at college and uh, yeah so I was at Sam Houston State and I was teaching there as well I was teaching some kinesiology classes um, always loved the education route I don't know why I just always have and um, was obviously working with Houston Dash and had the, kind of the setup and then from there obviously I, like I was telling you earlier I'd always followed Becky at UF and um I knew I needed another like a my next opportunity I felt like I kind of got stagnant a little bit so got in touch with her and ended up at Florida as an equipment manager so give a full-time salary with Sam Houston teaching salary and coaching salary um and went in and became a, an equipment manager and was basically getting a second master's degree and you know getting a little bit of money on scholarship and there we are that's kind of the story of today and then from there, obviously, Becky retired and I became her director of ops after four years. And uh, she retired. And then I decided, you know, I didn't want to just jump into a job. I, I really want to be, uh, um, I guess, I just really want to be, be uh, mindful about where I'm going to work because I needed to align with what I believe in and, you know, kind of kind of have an influence there. And so I decided to go to Penn State with Erica Dambach. Um, get a completely different experience in Florida and um, work there for the last semester and had a great experience and now I, now I'm here in England for Christmas and looking for the next opportunity. So one of the things that I love is one when you talked about and you were like 15 and a half it took you two years to get everything processed and you're sending DVDs out um, and then you come over here and then you send out all these mass emails to every coach across the U.S to I'm going to go volunteer, I'm going to drive two and a half hours. And wh where did this kind of like, I don't know what determination and persistence, where did that, where is that? Because it sounds like it came from a young age. 
Um, where did that come from? Because it's really cool to hear even the fact that you went from Sam Houston and the teaching and all that stuff to equipment manager. Like a lot of people would be like, why? Why would you go and become an equipment manager when you clearly want to coach? But you knew that's my that's the door that opens up. I've got to go in. I've got to take this advantage. Um, and then you being knowing Becky's quality and all that kind of stuff knew this was just going to help you. But I just everything that you've talked about, you've had to grind and grind and grind to get here. Like people look at it and go, oh, she was at University of Florida. Must have been wonderful. Oh, she's at Penn State. A really, really quality women's program. Everything's got to be hunky dory. But clearly there's a lot of that you went through to get to where you're at now. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, I think it all, I think obviously it's intrinsic. It's obviously inside of us, but I just think that I did not have this illustrious playing career to back us up. Um, um, I had a decent career in England. I don't think I had the best career in America. And I think uh, that kind of drove us as I needed to stand out somehow. Um, and I think that's what spurred it to be completely honest. And then I think, as I got kind of into the Houston Dash experience and the Sam Houston State experience, I just realized I had so much more to learn, like, especially at Wayland, actually, because that was the first job I had and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was still young. I was like 24, 25. And, you know, the play some of the players are 22, 23, like very similar ages. And I just felt like I always had something, there was always something I was just like, wow, I've got so much more to learn. Um, and so I think the path I've taken is probably probably the most unconventional path ever um I would probably say like when you look at my resume like you look at the titles and the titles don't quite have the you know like equipment manager director of ops volunteer assistant like I've kind of taken this long way around if you like but I'm kind of trying to just get prepared as possible I know like in the coaching field a lot of times you know coaches get burned out you know there's a lot of women that don't stay in coaching and so the kind of the more conversations I had with Becky at Florida about that the more I was and and I really I love my time at Penn State and Florida and Houston and Sam Houston um but I just think you know Becky Becky went from a mentor to me to like a best friend um it just sounds kind of crazy but um I, I just realized you know how hard winning is and especially at that level and I just realized I had so much more to learn and so the more people I could I basically just threw myself onto my own internship over the last 10 years if you like um and it's it's like you said it's been it's been a challenge it has not been easy um there's a lot of things you have to give up and uh, but I wouldn't change it because I know the next place that I go I'm going to be able to have a lot of influence whether that's as a head coach or an assistant coach or whatever role it is um you know I, I just think that I'm prepared now rather than just jumping at the net the you know there's been opportunities along the way that I've turned down for other reasons and I just think I was not ready at that time or it wasn't the right opportunity for me and so I think just you know kind of being selective has really helped us um, up until this point and so that's that's kind of where I'm at. You brought up Becky and um, what were some of the the big takeaways that you took from her not one being that it's, it's a female in like at the highest level in the college game um, Becky building that program pretty much from the bottom up. Um, what were some of the things that you picked from her and said, this is what I want to take from Becky, like that she, and, you know, put into you that even, even what, I guess, maybe even took it from that mentor to, Hey, we're like, she called it when I talked to her thinking partners, like yeah. that friendship type thing. What were the, some of the things that you loved about that experience? 
Um, I think me and Becky are very different, um, very different, but in a good way. And I think, for example, um, like I am like super, no, I'm not saying Becky's not organized because she is, but I'm very organized <laughs> and I like to know, you know, we're going to get to the airport for this time. And I think you read this in the, in the book probably. And um, like, I'm freaking out inside if, cause I'm responsible for 40 people on this bus. And if we don't get there on time, you know, that's kind of on me. And so um, I think just learning to reframe things. Um, there's a lot of things in coaching that are uncontrollable that you have no control over. And so, you know, for you just think about like, when you play a game, like you have no control of the referees, you have no control of the weather, you have no control about how this player is going to play. The only thing you can really control is substitutions and um, coaching, your own coaching, right? But there's a lot of uncontrollables. So I think just understanding that in coaching, there's a lot of things that are out of your control and being able to have, being, having the ability to reframe and not take things personal. Um, I think those would be, there's a lot of things I learned. Geez, I would have to really sit down and think about that. Um, but I would say reframing, not taking things personal and understanding and coaching how many uncontrollables there is and you just kind of have to go with the ebbs and flow of it um so yeah I think that's what's kind of funny is is just learning to like I said just learn to go with ebbs and flows and um we always Becky always laughed at me because I would always stress out about the littlest things because I want everything to be perfect and that's just not how that's not how coaching is you know it's when you have a training session and you have a squad of 18 and you've set up this session for 18 players and then two drop out and now you only have 16 and you're like well now my session's ruined you can't you just got to adapt right and so um, that's coaching. That is coaching. It's not about having the session on paper. It's can you adapt to what you've got on the field? Two different things. And so I would think, I think just um, those were some tidbits I learned every time in Florida. And um, it was kind of sad when it all ended just because I was kind of there on the back end of Becky's career. And it was just, I just felt like every day it was like, I didn't even have to like just talking to Becky, I would learn like five things through the day, you know, and it's just kind of every day was just kind of professional development. And so, um, you know, and she's just a person of high integrity. And um, I just hope at one point in my career, I can kind of have, you know, a, a 16th of the type of the 16th of the type of career that she's had. Um, and she was a great mentor. And like I said, we're obviously really good friends. We're together through some really high times and some really low times in her career and I think um that's kind of probably why our relationship kind of flourished throughout the four years that I was there well what was that like when Becky shared with you that like she was going to step down from Florida what was that kind of time frame like for you in terms of like oh this is a mentor friend but you also understood like I you know everything's got to come to an end at some point yeah I mean she she um we, we always talked about it as a staff, the four of us, me, Vic, well, the five of us, because I was actually, I was actually, Shelley Lyle was also the director of ops before me, but we had talked about it in staff meetings. Um, and um, she gave me plenty of time and plenty of, um, you know, time to figure out what I wanted to do. I, I kind of knew on the back end of the fall that it was happening. Um, and when she told me, I kind of went through, I kind of was in denial, I think, for a little bit, but I also... Um, I went through all the emotions I was kind of like happy for her because I knew like she was eventually going to move on and wanting to do other things and then I was sad and then I was <laughs> angry um, but, you know I, I think that's all all normal and we, we laugh about it but um, she went out on her own terms and I think she left well 
And I think that's one of the most important things is, is when you leave somewhere, you leave well. And that's something I learned as well from her is when I left Florida too, like wanting to make sure it was in a better place than when I got there. And uh, whether that was, you know, creating a new staff guide for the brand, for the new staff and making sure everything was in place for the next season. So when, you know, the staff came in, they didn't have to do much in terms of logistics. Um, they could just get in and coach right away. And so, um, yeah, she left well and left on her own terms and, Obviously, she got back into caution right after that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, oh, all the retirement stuff we did for you, I want it back. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to make sure that obviously all three of them retired, Becky, Vic and Alan. And I think as the director of ops, I felt a weight of responsibility to make sure that they were celebrated properly, um, especially with COVID, because obviously there was some challenges with what we could and couldn't do. And um, yeah, so I think that was just, you know, kind of making sure that they felt like they kind of went out with a bang. And I think they... They felt that way what was the impetus behind writing your 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 quick your book that you have shared and um and there was a time where you put it out on twitter where you filled out a google form and you can get a copy and i got one and i loved reading it it was it was awesome like real anecdotal stories and all that kind of stuff what what was the like the spur to, to put that together and then to share that and what have you well i started it this time last year and the reason I started it was obviously because I knew she was retiring. And so I, I couldn't think of a, 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 Becky is not a gift person. And so I couldn't really think of anything personally to give her that would be of, I, I just couldn't think of anything that would have like, obviously like a retirement mug or something. I don't, I don't really know. I was just kind of like, kind of a thought, you know? and so I was like, what could be something that would be, you know, like really thoughtful and so that's kind of what I came up with is kind of it was kind of just supposed to be to her in the beginning um and then when I wrote it I started to write it I was like I feel like more people need to hear this and so um it took a while like I have so much respect for I had respect for authors in the beginning but like just writing that like I don't know like just the all the edits and you know like things didn't sound right and I just like haven't how many times I had to read over it I was kind of sick of it by the time I'd finished it I was like I've read this way too many times but, you know, the idea wasn't to put it on Amazon and make money off it. It was to share it with other people that have a centralized location where it could be. And it, that's just for, so it's on the, on the internet and people can access it. But the idea was to share it with as many people as possible. It wasn't to, you know, I think, I think every time somebody buys it on Amazon, I make like 70 cents or something. Like I actually don't, <laughs> actually don't make anything. <laughs> it was not the point. It was just, it, the point was, it was to get it out there so people could read it and see what the experience was like you know, at the University of Florida during the time that I was there. And there's so much more. I could have continued writing, to be honest with you. Um, and there was obviously some things that I could have put in there and took out and um, some funny stories, like when we got pulled over, pulled over by the police at Orange Beach, like, you know, stuff that you, it's funny stuff that you probably couldn't put in there, like <laughs> um, just stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was, it was, like I said, I thought it was just kind of a really good way to, you know kind of celebrate her retirement from my my point of view to her she brought me in as a you know stroppy 27 year old and kind of shaped me into this person that you know hopefully will go on and you know be a good coach or a great coach in the future and basically influence you know young women for the rest of their lives and so just seeing the impact that she's had on her program and it's just inspiring really the the one thing too that I loved when I talked with her and I'm hearing it with from you is like that relation side piece um, was huge like I talked about with her about the Gator family like just still staying connected with the ones from 
20 years ago to now to the relationship and the impact that she's made on you to the point where you felt impacted enough to share it in like a written form um, type of thing. Is that something if and when you become and run your own program is how important is the relationship piece to you in, in terms of your coaching? Yeah, it's massive. I think it's centered around who I am as a coach. And I think that's why I went to UF was to work with, you know, work with or work for Becky was, you know, basically because that's you know, what I believe in. That's kind of my coaching philosophy. I think um, just seeing the impact of, you know, the amount, the, the connect, like when she was retiring, the amount of people that she was trying to tell. And I was just like, Becky, like, you're not going to be able to tell everybody before the announcement comes out publicly. You're just going to have to, you know, there's going to be some people that are upset. Like, it's just the way it is. You have so many, you have a web of connections that are just massive. And she was like, no, we're going to do it. And we did, we got through everybody pretty much. Um, but just seeing players come back and, you know, we had players there coming back from, I think when she retired, we had somebody come back from like the 99 team and then the 2005 team. And, you know, they're all connected and just that impact of, you know, she goes to all the weddings and all, she knows all their birthdays. And it's just kind of, and it's just a really unique um it's a it was a really unique experience and I think that was her biggest worry was just making sure that the alumni were taken care of um for the future and so I think that speaks volumes of just who she is you talked earlier too about being able to see Becky um and coaching at that high level at a level where you said it's really hard to win what does that mean like what what are some of the things that that make it so difficult to create a successful program? And then secondly, stay at the top throughout, you know, the consecutive seasons. Yeah. Well, even just finishing on the back end of, you know, Penn state, we, we got to the sweet 16 and uh, we were um, had a lot of injuries, but I just think just seeing Florida over the last four years and being at Penn state, obviously only for a smidge of time, just seeing how, you know, two, two huge powerhouse programs in women's soccer and just seeing how, um, how hard it is to win in terms of, like I said, like just the uncontrollables of you've recruited, you know, X number of players to come in. Now you've got, you know, knee injuries or, you know, you know, whatever type of injuries you've got, but just the, and then the training load and just trying to keep up with the generation of athlete that you're coaching, having to reinvent yourself every year because things change so rapidly. I mean, we've got all these different apps and technology and, um, I just and the parity of the game and the players like you know I just think it's it's really hard to win at this level and it's not just winning once but to continue winning um it's just I just think just being in that environment just seeing that it's not just because you're this name university doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win right nothing is guaranteed ever um and so just the daily I mean Becky and Erica like in in Randy and Tom too but just seeing the level of detail and the amount of hours they put into, you know, the time in their program. It's not just, you know, I have been here for 15 years or 20 years or 27 years. And, you know, everything's kind of like you said, everything's smooth sailing. It's not these people that are at the top are continually trying to work because there's people at the bottom that are trying to catch up. And so I just think, you know, just because you're at the top of the mountain, like you've got to continue to grind because the view, you can only look at it for a little bit um and you know you just like I said I just think at this level it is so hard to win and I was actually talking to a coach last week on the phone and we were talking about how you know she had just won conference the previous year then won it this year and she said that this year was actually sweeter because 
it was like they had back to back they were back to back champions the first one was great but just consistently get that success you know mm-hmm. just realizing how hard that is and so um so yeah that uh, you know i think that's what i would say i would just say obviously in 2017 at florida we made it to the elite eight and then 18 was kind of i think becky's first losing season and just kind of to be kind of around that at that time was um it was difficult obviously but to be around it for me now like I look back and I'm like wow like I'm, I kind of journaled that season which was kind of cool um just to kind of see how everybody kind of handled adversity because at the end of the day that's when your true character shows and I think one thing that speaks volumes about that season and I'll never forget this is we had a really really tough conference schedule I think it was like the number one toughest conference schedule in the country at that time and um now obviously we played SEC play and we never lost the locker room that entire year and I think teams that go through losing seasons usually do at some point, their locker room cracks and we never did. And I think that's something that was really unique and just kind of seeing how that, you know, how kind of Becky led us through that. Um, and then 19, um, I think we got beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament and then 20 was a COVID year, which that was completely different ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously at Penn State, just kind of seeing our team um, with the amount of injuries that we had and still like, you know, just... I think at Penn State, the experiences were different because those the players on that team was probably the most cohesive group of players I'd ever been around. And just kind of seeing how those players dragged that team through to the Sweet 16 was pretty remarkable. What do you think? Because I was just thinking about that. Um, you said the, the locker room didn't fall apart during that struggle for uh, Florida. And then you just talked about a team of Penn State who had injuries and people had to keep stepping up. So part of that equation clearly is the players. So what what was special about that, the Florida group when they were going through the low of like, I'm in a program that's been really, really successful and now we are struggling clearly. And then a Penn State group, which probably had really high aspirations to go probably all the way. But then of now, like what was special about those groups beyond just awesome head coaches? Yeah, I think, um, I think, the di- I'll tell you the difference. The difference was at Penn State that the team was kind of turned over to the players kind of took over the team. Whereas at Florida, I felt like Becky navigated us through those times. And I think the big message with the Florida team was everybody needs to lean in because this is hard and leaning out is natural. Like you can lean out, but if you lean out, you don't get the reps of getting punched in the face. Right. And if you don't get the reps of getting punched in the face, it's going to hurt even more eventually. And so if you lean in, you're taking the reps, right? And it is harder to lean in. It's easier to pull away and become disinterested. And I think just kind of, that was kind of Becky's mantra of pulling us, like kind of leading us through that season. And I think at Penn State, it was kind of, we had um, our captains, we had Kerry Abello and Sam Coffey and both phenomenal, I can't say that word, fantastic <laughs> leaders. Um, and they kind of, they led that team. I felt like um, we kind of were able to have focus more on the tactics and the game strategy because the captains were basically leaving that ship uh, which was kind of like I've never really felt that I've never been a part of that yet and so just to kind of see the differences was kind of really cool so I would say that those were the differences I was going to say so as you what what ended up at what point did you say when you were at Florida like hey I've gotten in because you kind of said that about Sam Houston State you said I think there's more to this like I've learned what I can get here I know I need to learn more. What was the impetus and, and kind of the, the, the why behind going to Penn State this past fall? Well, um, 
I knew that with the retirement there would be with COVID and the retirement there was going to be limited opportunities jobs and so I basically had six months to decide if there was an opportunity open at a certain school there's certain there's certain people in the country that I would love to work for right and there's not many times in your career where you can um, basically put everything aside and go work for somebody for free right and so um, an email came through the job server or the list server sorry and um, Becky forwarded to me and basically was like you know you know Penn State's looking for a volunteer and as soon as it came through I was like yes that's it and um, obviously spoke to Erica but I just think you know again like Erica's experience and the her I mean Olympic gold medalist you know World Cup bronze medalist works as, as an assistant coach in the national team in the Olympics and obviously other World Cups um, her experience in the Ivy League her experience with Penn State and just she's been there I think over I know she's been over there well over 12 years but probably 12 to 16 years and just the amount of success she's had just kind of seeing somebody else do it differently because obviously there's more than one way to skin a cat right and so mm-hmm. um yeah I think just I just knew like that was that's someone that someone I'd always um kind of had, had on the radar like every every time she would do like a zoom during COVID or you know, a podcast or anything that she's done, like I've always listened to and always like the way she's kind of um, carried herself and the type of person she is. And so, yeah, it was kind of, it was just kind of like, I knew, like I knew that was the opportunity for me. And, um, you know, I knew this job window would be big coming up in December with obviously COVID and COVID, I guess it, I thought it was potentially ending, but clearly not. Um, <laughs> but I knew it would be a bigger job window. And so, you know, kind of talked to Erica about, you know kind of just doing this for a season and you know kind of then seeing what happens with you know that kind of the job the job market and um i am married and have lived apart from my spouse for the last seven years feels like an absolute eternity and um she's retiring in february from teaching well education basically and it's not teaching she's an assistant principal and so it was kind of felt like I had six months to kind of go off again and get one more go at seeing somebody do it differently and so that's where we're at and it's perfect um in terms of where we're at and so um, that was kind of the onus behind that it was just I had six months to kind of go off and get one more go and see how somebody else does it and um like I said like great a great experience at Penn State very different UF in great ways uh, and that's what you want you want a different experience um and so I'm really grateful for that time there. And um, it was a fun ride, that's for sure. The one thing that I loved, you talked about with that one group of Florida, the lean in versus lean out. And you clearly are a lean in person. Like, again, (laughs) when you were talking about the move to Penn State, in my head, I heard volunteer. And you're like, yep, I'm going. Like, I love the fact that it's continuously, you're just like, look, I just want to go. And you knew that the amount of, things that you were going to learn and experience and see was going to benefit you more than chasing, like even the Amazon book, like clearly that was just your opportunity to um, show respect and how much you love Becky. It wasn't about making um, tons of money. Like uh, clearly your pat is just a passion and love of, of, of soccer um, and then going through it. So now here you are, what, what does Sarah have, in plan moving forward what are what are some of the options or your hopes and, and dreams moving forward now um i think i'm just going to be patient um like i always have 
things always work out and there's nothing really kind of out there just yet for me um i'm not really sure so that can be scary right i mean kind of unemployed which is kind of a scary word um but you know i think when you when i was filling out i think i was updating my resume or filling something out i can't remember and looked at all the positions that I've had and I'm like I've been a volunteer more than I've actually had a full-time job which is kind of crazy and I've made it work um but yeah I think just kind of waiting when the next opportunity comes up I'll know what's the right opportunity and you know like I said earlier like I think whether whatever role that is it does for me like uh could be an assistant role could be a head coaching role and I think I would prefer to be an assistant next to be totally honest I think I can have such a big influence with everything that I've picked up over the last you know eight years if you like eight to ten years um and the experiences that i've had and i think i can have like a great influence as an assistant um but i also think you know you're never ready to be a head coach but you know after working for randy waldrum becky burley and erica dambach like at some point you have to give it a whirl and see you know of everything that you've kind of learned and you know he, there's things you like there's things you don't like and pulling picking and pulling from each person and making it your own and eventually going off and doing it yourself and building the staff and building a program would be it's exciting to me as well but um I don't know I just you know I just want to I think there's three things for me I just want to enjoy where I work I want to make it I want to have an influence where I am um and I just want to work with good people and wherever that lands um I'll be happy with I think as long as I have those three things in place um and obviously you know marrying your personal life with your professional life which is something I have not done yet and that's obviously been um, difficult as you get older. I think when you're younger, you're just like, yeah, okay, bye. Um, and you're trying to just, you know, build your career because you know that you've got to, you know, kind of get after it when you're young. That's when you can, you don't have any ties. And um, so, yeah, I just think I'll know when the right opportunity, opportunity comes up and I'm not really a patient person. So this is, um, this is good for me, I think. What, what is the, possible outlook on maybe going to the professional level like you talked about when you when you were a youth there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities below like the u20s and etc now the english premier league with the women's and that's got the champions league and all that type of stuff is there any part of you that would want to come back to to you know england and set roots there and possibly attack the professional yeah, I would never say no. I think the the women's game here is obviously there's a lot more opportunities than there was when I left. Um, I think for me right now on my radar would be college coaching. I just think I have a, I can have a greater influence at that level right now. And um, but yeah, I would never say no. I would I would never write it off. I think you know I, I really enjoy my time at Houston. It's very different to obviously college coaching. Um, and I got that experience when I was younger so that I'm kind of grateful for that well I'm really grateful for that I'm really grateful that I got that experience to kind of know what it was like um but yeah I would never say no no to that but I think um you know just kind of the path that I've taken I think has prepared me to prepare me for you know a position in, in college coaching but you know if a professional opportunity come up came up I don't think you could you know overlook it you definitely have to look into it so and I asked earlier about when you were, you know, 16, 17, and you were telling your parents, like, look, I'm going to go to the U.S. And they were kind of like, okay. Um, now that they've seen you go and do it and have success and grow and all this, um, what has been their take on 
your experience in the States and, and what have you? Yeah, I, I actually really like it because they really don't know what I do. They have no idea. There's <laughs> <laughs> something really refreshing about that. Um, but yeah, they're proud. I mean, you know, my parents, you know, they they know that I, they always say you land on your feet. Like if you got if you got through in the air, you would land in butter. Um, so, you know, <laughs> kind of joke that way. But yeah, they're really proud of me. I think uh, I don't think they would ever say that to me, but I know they say that to other people. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, I, I think they're uh, they enjoy coming out. They they haven't they've been to one game, my senior game they came to um, at McNeese, and obviously they love America and they try and come out every year. Obviously they haven't for obviously with the pandemic, but um, I think they see that I'm happy. And for anyone who sees that their son or daughter is happy, they're happy, you know. And so, like I said, I don't think they entirely know what I do, but they know I coach football, and that's about it. <laughs> they probably wonder what I do for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think there's, there's something that I really like about that. How, how big of a support has it been to you? Cause you mentioned, uh, your wife being like, was doing Prince vice principal and, and what have you, how has it been having that person kind of by your side, even if maybe not proximity wise, but enough to kind of bounce, like if you're going through ups or downs, have that person to kind of bounce that isn't a quote unquote, probably a soccer person, um, but still an educator. So I understand some of the things that you're struggling with. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting because she was actually a collegiate basketball coach. Um, hmm. Yeah, back now. And so in division one, and so she kind of, she understands the job. She understands, like she, obviously she watches Newcastle United because I make her, but um, and so she, she kind of like understands soccer in terms of basketball. We know soccer and basketball are, you know, there's some similarities there, like especially on set pieces. We talk about picks and, you know, kind of all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's been great because I think it's just a sounding board of somebody know, who knows what the job's like and in education and, you know, knows this generation. Um, and so we kind of joke that, you know, wherever I end up, she's fully invested, like where, wherever I've been, like she knows every kid on the roster, she knows where's, where they're from, she knows her major, um, just fully invested. And I think that's all you can ask for is to have somebody that um, understands your job, right? And so I think moving forward throughout the rest of my my career, um, she is a thinking partner, just like Becky is. And um, yeah, I think it's it's huge. It's definitely over the last eight to 10 years, you know, again, just trying to navigate the path of living apart and stuff and I think she just kind of understands you know it, this is why we did it this is exactly why we did it to get to this to us to this point so we can you know move together and actually live a normal life <laughs> this has been so cool because I've, I've loved hearing because like I talked about earlier you see like when I go on the Twitter and I can see underneath like where you were coaching at and all of your licenses and the book you've written and um, this is like so refreshing to have like a spotlight of here's the sacrifices I've made. Here's what I've done. Um, and what have you. And I'm super excited to, to see what the next steps and uh, for your story. Cause I, I see, I, would there be any chance there might be a, another book down the, down the road? Do you have, is that something that's kind of like a little thing in your stomach? That's like, Hey, I, even though it was, as you say, kind of another, kind of grueling thing having to keep going over it and read it and would you be was that something that you might try to do again um I think there should be a volume two at some point I think um just with the experiences that I've had I think 
one of the things that I want to make sure that I do throughout my career is I've had so many people invest in me. And so I want to make sure that I invest in the next generation of, you know, whether that's if I'm an assistant or a head coach or I'm not in coaching, just making sure that, you know, I invest in somebody else like I was invested, whether that's, you know, letting somebody, you know, kind of live in your spare bedroom because they're trying to work out how they can do the same thing I did, you know, like I want to pay it forward in some way. And so, um, yeah, maybe it'll be a different, it'll be a long way down the, down the road, but it'll, maybe it'll be a different storyline. But yeah, I hope there'll be a volume two at some point. But like I said, I think in the experiences that I've had from all the coaches that I've been fortunate to work for would be just to pay it forward like they have, you know, for me. And if people want to connect with you or uh, just kind of to see where you've been at or just even follow up with more questions or whatever, what's a great way to kind of connect and, and follow the Coach Loudon journey? Yeah, they can, uh, they can DM me on Twitter. Um, you can find me on most social media platforms apart from TikTok. Uh, <laughs> <still> <laughs> that one is. Um, but yeah, I'm on, uh, you can message me on um, Twitter or which is, I think it's just Sarah Loudon. Um, and then also my, I can send you my email address if you want and you can put that out there or I can just say it right now. It's totally up to you. Uh, you can just say it. That's cool. Yeah, so it's uh, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H-N. And then it's L-O-W-D-O-N at hotmail.com. And I'll put the Twitter and her email in the, the uh, notes for this um, podcast episode. But Sarah, I really appreciate it. This is so awesome because, um, you know, clearly I'm sitting here in, you know, southwestern Ohio. You're over in England. And this is so cool to kind of try to get it to work out. Um, and even my family was super excited because they're like dude you're gonna be talking to someone all the way across the ocean it's like one of the pluses of like the quarantine and stuff is that we have things like zoom and and other options to be able to chat but i really appreciate you taking the time to hop on with me well i'm closer to your mom city than i am to you that's true edinburgh right your mom's from <laughs> right yeah so my mother's from edinburgh uh scotland and uh that's my parents met somewhere there in england at uh I think Oxford University. Cool. And then, uh, yeah, so. It's a small but, uh, It is. It's crazy. Um, but uh, again, I appreciate it. And uh, I will shut this episode down. This is Karen with the Coach's Corner Chats with Sarah Loudon. And I'm out. Peace.